Gay people do not get to hold hands in public without first considering the risk. Gay people do not get to put an arm through another arm or put a hand on a boyfriend's waist without first considering what the possible consequences might be. One fateful day at the age of 14, I disclosed to my foster parent I was not like the other boys. I was transgender. My foster mother's response was to kick me out of the home to save the other children from what she calls the devil's creation. To, to those who are feeling very alone tonight, please know that I understand how you feel. But things will get easier. Please stick around to make those happy memories for yourself. It may not seem like it tonight, but they will. And the attitudes of society will change. Please live long enough to be there to see it. What's up people, I'm Carl Massive. I want to take a quick moment to say that I'm gay. I've been meaning to do this for a while now, but I finally feel comfortable enough to get it off my chest. Um, I just think that representation and visibility are so important. Um, I actually hope that like one day, videos like this and the whole coming out process are just not necessary. You're listening to Facts and Friends. Welcome to this canine frazzle drip episode of the Facts and Friends podcast. Oh dear God, what is, what is that? I'll explain later. My name is Michael Calamari, and joining me this week... <laughs> that is a made-up name. That's true. <laughs> it's actually a real name, but it's not mine. If you had that name pop up as like an extra in a mob film, they would throw you out of the writer's room. <laughs> you, you, absolutely. Uh, my name is Tino, and joining me this week is my friend and co-host. Most of you probably know him best as Male Cheerleader Quarterly's 2021 Peppiest Dad of the Year. It's Judson. Hello, Judson. What an honor to have bestowed on you around Father's Day. There's like no competition for that particular title. No, you're the only one. <laughs> it's how many years running is it that you've won that? <laughs> I don't even keep up, man. I just <laughs> I, I throw the trophies on the shelf and move on. Well, if you've been wondering where we've been for the last two weeks, let me tell you, it's entirely Judson's fault. <laughs> That's it. It's me. It's all it's all on me. The, the first week, <laughs> the first week we were supposed to record, he had to cancel to fulfill his duties as Grand Marshal in the Big Beaver Lick Kentucky Street Pied Parade. <laughs> well, I mean, it's a it's a it's a big honor. I feel how like, did that you know, go? <laughs> I had no idea. How would that possibly have gone? You know, Big Beaver Lick is actually a real place. I I 100 believe that. Yes. Yeah, I, 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 there better not have been any women in that straight pride parade, because <laughs> not in Big Beaver Lake, <laughs> Kentucky. Well, I hear that uh, heroes don't do that, so. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay, then the second week, Judson needed every second of his spare time to build the life-size effigy of his father. <laughs> Which he colorfully berated at considerable length this past Sunday before setting it on fire. That part, that part's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, how was your Father's Day, Judson? Other than your annual tradition of burning your father in burning effigy. Your father in effigy. <laughs> 
uh, it's a more of a metaphorical burning. But yes, uh, yes, it, it was good. No, I, I had a good Father's Day. Now I heard your dad invited you to a big party. Yeah, he's doing a he's doing a Fourth of July party. He always he always does this. I guess that missed it last year because you know uh, pandemic. Oh. Um, but he didn't get the memo that that that's still happening. So the um, pandemic, you mean? Yeah, the pandemic. Well, certainly he's gotten vaccinated. No, no, he got COVID. <laughs> remember? <laughs> And despite what the CDC says, uh, he assumes he does not need to get the vaccine. He was never going to get the vaccine. This yeah, he just, assumed that before he got COVID. The, the rationalization that he's going to go continue forward with, that he still doesn't need the vaccine. You refer to it as like a, sort of like a Biden bashing event? Yeah, he a direct quote uh, was that this was his Joe Biden can't tell me what to do party and that he's got like $8,000 in fireworks. Now, what has Joe Biden told him to do? Uh, I had nothing. He's told him to do nothing. Oh, okay. It was the, it's that, that whole conservative uproar over Joe Biden saying that maybe come 4th of July, we could have like, you know, small gatherings again with people that are all vaccinated. And oh, they dug that old thing out. Yeah, exactly. He, he's very offended that Joe Biden said that maybe we should be socially responsible given that there's a pandemic happening. Yeah. They're not big on social responsibility. They are not. It's really, re it's really weird. The party of personal responsibility is never personally responsible for anything. Nope. So yeah, so he's having the big party. There will be people there that are not vaccinated. They will not wear masks. I don't know most or perhaps very close to all of them. And I will not be attending. I told him that I'm not comfortable if he's not vaccinated, let alone everyone else that's going to be there. Right. But if he's not vaccinated, that I'm not, I'm, we're not going. So. So his grandkids will also not be there. That's correct. I'm not saying that. that's half the thing. My, my daughters can't get vaccinated yet. Right. right? So it, and, and with you know, obviously the Delta variant and other variants out there. Maybe he should change the name of the party to Joe Biden can't tell us we can't get the <laughs> yes, Delta right. variant of COVID-19. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Cases are on the rise in, in a bunch of states and there's yeah. a there's a high correlation between low vaccination rates and, and states with outcomes. COVID numbers <laughs> rising. Yeah. yeah, it's I'm always looking for an excuse to skip these sorts of events, I feel like. Yeah. And this one's basically, I mean, this this one just makes sense in the first place. It's not even just an excuse. This is like a really good reason not to go. Right. So. For sure. I I don't know, man. He He's all dead set on not getting vaccinated because he read that. Rand Paul. He heard from someone that the Cleveland Clinic says he doesn't need to get his vaccine. It's actually bad for him. I looked this up. That's not what the Cleveland Clinic says. What some researchers there found some some not even researchers some doctors there wrote a paper that has not been peer-reviewed that says that we don't have to prioritize vaccinating those people who have already contracted COVID-19 they seem about as protected as the vaccine can make them at least over a short you know five month window so that if we have a vaccine supply shortage that we should focus on getting the unvaccinated and those who have not contracted the virus vaccinated first it doesn't say don't get the vaccine the vaccine's bad for you and the Cleveland clinic itself is like no please still get vaccinated that's 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 is very important right. and even the authors of the study say we should do more research and gather more evidence before we make any changes to our medical advice but that's not what he heard no facts don't matter to them yeah exactly reaffirming their worldview it's all about all that matters confirmation bias yep right I want just enough information that agrees with what I already think to make me feel better about the choice I've already made and I'm not going to change. I read a story today that among those people that have only gotten one shot, the protection rate from that one shot against the Delta variant is only about 30%. That's not good. That's, no. that's not good. 
though those of us who have gotten two shots are pretty well protected against it. Hopefully, yeah. That said, look, I'm still wearing a mask at the grocery store. We don't have to anymore. I still am. I, I still give dirty looks to people that don't. I don't do that anymore. Like, okay, they don't have to anymore. It's not like uh, back when we had to and they were wearing them uh, like incorrectly, <laughs> yeah. I would give them very dirty looks and I told people <laughs> we weren't socially distancing to back the fuck off. Yeah, for sure. But in, in, in a nice way. But but yeah, no, I won't, I won't give dirty looks to the people not wearing masks now. I'm very subtle with my dirty looks. But yeah, I, I just like, me I do still give them very hard to believe. <laughs> <laughs> You, subtlety and meanness, I don't think so. I stare at my phone really, really hard. I just kind of like <laughs> glance at them and I like look away. I'm like, no, you no, don't, don't say anything. You don't, don't say sigh anything. or shake your head even <laughs> the slightest bit. Oh, no, from a, from a distance for sure. Okay. Not, like, not like right next to him. No. Speaking of COVID, a quick follow up from our last show. Okay. For those of you who don't recall, Judson wished death on another human being. <laughs> and I use that term ever so loosely that that quote unquote human being was anti-Semitic homophobic hate monger pastor rick wiles yeah that guy and that was after he was celebrating covid deaths of gays and jews around the world yeah and he himself got covid the bad kind he was hospitalized on a ventilator and and judson and i we were rooting for covid in that fight uh, we, you perhaps yeah. a little bit more fervently than i was i'm the nicer one of the two i don't know that's the case but okay <laughs> that's I, I remember it differently perhaps <laughs> so judson what happened uh it's actually kind of a bad news good news situation okay F first the bad news all right uh, on june 1st rick wiles tweeted this thanks to jesus christ i survived the ccp covid genocide on american people okay i will stop be released <laughs> okay <laughs> i'll stop who wrote that john stewart yeah it's rick oh, it's rick wiles it's rick soon. wiles oh man do you know the hill is suddenly embracing john stewart is this like voice of every reason? conservative <laughs> outlet is embracing him as that yeah it's it's very he unfortunate hates their guts he spent a career trashing them yeah Yep. I, uh, anyway, sorry, I don't, I don't Rick Wiles. Into, I don't want to get into it. I'm a little more nervous because this sounds like he's alive. It, I think I think he made it. Yeah, it said he'll be released from the hospital later today. This was obviously, you know, weeks ago now. Uh, my breathing is returning to normal. Pneumonia defeated. The worst is over. My deepest gratitude for all the prayers. I will share more later. Okay. But, but okay. the potential silver lining is that he posted that tweet three weeks ago where he promises to share more later. Oh, Three weeks since then, crickets, C cicadas, I guess. <laughs> I still haven't gotten any damn cicadas. <laughs> so anyway, we can all still hope. Breaking news. Meine Arbeit für Richtigkeit. Ob du glaubst, dass ich fleißig gewesen bin, dass ich gearbeitet habe, dass ich mich in diesen Jahren für dich eingesetzt habe, dass ich anständig that is Rick Wiles back on his show. On I don't speak German or tongues, whichever one that was. That was Hitler. <laughs> I thought that was Hitler. That's not the actual audio, but I took one for the team, Judson, and I actually gave True News a click to verify that he was back on uh, the air and alive. And how did he sound? He's not well. He's certainly alive. He said he's about 75% and he can't talk at the end of the day and breathing is difficult if he moves much. Excellent. Yeah, so there's a silver lining. Yeah. So I did watch a bit of his show and I started clipping audio from him. Like, I'm not going to give him any more airtime. But <laughs> he, as expected, was thanking God and prayer for saving him. Right. Not science and a ventilator. Or the yeah. doctors or the medicine. None at all. Just prayer. Yeah, sure. That's what did it. Yeah. And he later had uh, quite a lineup of wonderful guests like Milo Yiannopoulos. And, oh, my God. Yeah. I thought we deplatformed him. <laughs> 
Another thing we learned while we were away, Judson, was how terrifyingly close we were to becoming an autocracy. Okay. Trump's DOJ was basically going through Trump's political hit list, abusing its power to investigate his political rivals. Yeah. Including inappropriately subpoenaing records of journalists and political figures. To me, I don't know about you, but it was more than a little terrifying that that was even possible. That, that yeah. nobody stood up and said, dude, we can't do this. This is what they do in Banana Republics. This is what they do in Russia. Yep. Are you going to poison them next? I bet he would if he could. I bet he, I bet he would too. Could you imagine, A, if Trump had won a second term immediately after his first term, how far down, how much further down that road we would have gone? No, I can't. I can't even comprehend. I, I don't think. I guess we'll see in August, right? <laughs> no, no, we're not. I see QAnon's really upset about his uh, tour with Bill O'Reilly in December because that suggests he's not going to be president come August. So, so it's so it's January. We're pushing back to January now. It sounds like is what you're saying. How many dates has that been? A lot. Yeah. A lot. We started off in March, right? It was it was initially no, March. No, we started off in January. Well, January, sure. But I mean, like, he couldn't be sworn in until the 20th. So uh, but January I, I, 6th was the first date. Yep. That was the to stop the election right. from going through, right? Yeah. And January 20th, the storm was going to happen. Right. No storm. Then it was March. Then I heard something about April. Yep. I don't think I heard anything until that August. Was over the summer, which eventually became August. Right. And then, uh, uh, actually, I, I want to say uh, Mike Lindell said, like, October now. Well, it's October now. I, I think I think Mike Lindell might have said that. I, I I could be making that up. Maybe that was a joke that we made about him, but okay. I, can't, I can't remember now. But he's sticking to his guns that he says it's going to be, he's still going to be president. He's got all the, the Supreme Court's going to do it. It's going to overturn the election, even though there is no mechanism for how that could possibly happen. No, that is not how it works in this that's, country. Yeah, that's, not, not, that's not how any of this works. Well, and then there are those uh, in the TQP, including Michael Flynn, uh, <laughs> that- think we should have a military coup a la Myanmar. Yeah, that, that is what he said, but then said he didn't say. Although the clip we played in the stinger on our last show, the person asking him the question that he agreed to actually pronounced it Minamar. Minamar? Minamar. Yes. Man, they can't pronounce. They're not smart people. Yeah, I was I was mocking someone the other day for how Trump uh, pronounced uh, Nepal as nipple. <laughs> was Nepal and Bhutan, he couldn't pronounce. He pronounced them as nipple and button. Well, speaking of not very smart, Judson, sure. Louis Gohmert is fighting like <laughs> hell to, <laughs> to hold on to his, his dumbest d- member of Congress, <laughs> Clint Crown. Right. It's hard, man. He's got a lot of competition. Listen to this. And so is there anything that the National Forest Service or BLM can do to uh, change the course of the moon's orbit or the Earth's orbit around the sun? Obviously, that would have profound effects on our climate. Well, I don't know if it makes it better or worse that it was not a rhetorical question, but it was not a rhetorical question. <laughs> I, I, it's hard for me to believe that he asked that in all sincerity. Like, I, I, I think he was trying to draw like a no to show she how ridiculous up. it was. I know she followed up. I, I, I listened to it. I, I just it seems to me like he was just very bad at the presenting the argument that he wanted to present. I would love to hear him describe critical race theory to me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'd love to hear any Republican describe critical race theory, actually. <laughs> Juneteenth is now a federal holiday. That happened. That's right. That's exciting. That did, that, did, that did happen, yeah. Though Republicans are fighting to make sure no one knows why. <laughs> and finally, in some totally predictable news, first dog Champ died last week, Judson. How is that predictable? Well, details are sketchy, but many doubt the Bidens claim that it was suicide. <laughs> oh, my God. 
He put himself to sleep? I, for one, <laughs> am pretty convinced it's another Clinton hit. Oh, my God. Yeah, you know, ever since she offed Bo no, no, no. a few weeks no, no, ago. No. It's the Romneys are going to take, the, take out the dogs. No, it's it's another Clinton hit. She offed Bo a few weeks ago, and she got that taste for canine blood. <laughs> so, so You're sure it's, it's not like Huckabee? Huckabee's mm -mm. kid. Nope. Because he's got a history, as I recall. The Trump kids, they kill animals all the time. Could be Abbott, Texas governor. He does hate dogs. He That's does. true. A he lot. Hates he hates anyway, I don't them. think it's very long before Airbud Frazzle Drip surfaces, Judson. We're going to oh, see that no, video. No, 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 More no. More cops no. are going to die trying to uh, expose it. Oh. <sighs> Is it like a is it like a dog food chain out there somewhere that has like a basement and they keep they, anyway anyway just keep going go keep going <laughs> I, I don't want to get into it it's, it sounds too disturbing I puppy do. mills and basements <laughs> so before we get into our main topic this week Judson I found another sponsor oh Jesus Christ and and this one was a bit of a surprise okay do do you remember Ricky Schroeder's testicles <laughs> uh yes yes I do recall the the, the them. <laughs> I want to use that hot clip out of context. <laughs> <laughs> well, they were they were on the first episode of, of uh, season two of our show. Okay, yeah, and then they crashed our last show. They did. Well, I don't know how or why, but Ricky Schroeder's testicles are blowing up. That that sounds. Uh, you should see a doctor. I think. <laughs> They have a Twitter account now, and believe it or not, they've launched their own podcast. Well, I mean, anybody can, it turns out. So well, Apparently, those mouthy little nuts are getting big. Uh, <laughs> big too big for their britches, you might say? Well, maybe. <laughs> they don't want to do our show anymore, and, and trust me, I reached around to them more than one time. <laughs> did I say that right? I think uh, you did. Okay. <laughs> or, I mean, maybe. I don't know. I wasn't there. <laughs> but... <laughs> <laughs> but they did ask to buy ad time on our show. Uh, sure. To, to advertise their podcast. Uh, okay. So at the risk of their little testicle ego swelling to a dangerous size, <laughs> I had to take the cash. <laughs> Junk money or not. Oh, man. So <laughs> have, you seen, have you seen Johnny Dangerously? <laughs> It's been a long time. There's, there's this scene where he shows his brother, the, brother this like PSA video right. to convince him not to have sex. Oh, and it's God. about ESS, enlarged scrotum syndrome. Oh, no. <laughs> These guys are walking around with, like, bowling balls in their pants. And it's like, this is the consequence of having premarital sex. This sounds like something they might talk about on, <laughs> on their podcast, On right? their podcast. <laughs> well, I'm sure anyway. it's a very vicious stereotype that I've just engaged in. I'm very, very sorry to Ricky Schroeder's testicles. My brother had ESS once. <laughs> once. Once. <laughs> So we'll be back after this word from our newest sponsor, the Scratch That Itch podcast with Ricky Schroeder's <laughs> testicles. <laughs> Good name. Good name. Hey, kids. It's your old friend Uncle Tortilla here to share an awesome life hack with you. It's simple, and you can do it in two easy steps. Step one, stop listening to bad podcasts. You know, like the one you're listening to right now. Well, wait until I finish sharing my life hack, but then hit stop, unsubscribe, and never, ever listen again. Step two, go download a podcast you can really sink your teeth into. No teeth! Jesus! I told you not to improvise, you freaky clown! And while I'm giving notes, 86 the friggin' pedo soundtrack, too! Sorry, kids, no teeth! But if you want a hilarious, 
insightful, opinionated podcast that doesn't take weeks off at a time without explanation, check out these nuts on their brand new Smash It podcast. Scratch that itch with Ricky Stroner's testicles. And these guys not only have the stones to go head-to-head with the big boys, they are the stones and the big boys. Senator Graham, okay, we like you and all, but for the seventh time, with all due respect, please stop checking us for lumps. You're looking for a fair process? You came to the wrong town at the wrong time, my friend. But they also have a soft side. Like when they interviewed Lance Armstrong's last remaining testicle. I, I can't imagine how hard it must have been to, to lose your better half, Epo. I mean, I know it was hard for Lance too, but you're the one really feeling that loss. So stop what you're doing and listen now to... Scratch That Itch with Ricky Schroeder's testicles. And give those bad boys the exposure they really deserve. Hi, I'm Miss McConnell's lone conscious testicle, and I approve of this message. So it's still Pride Month, Judson. This is like the longest month. Why do you get the longest month, Tino? There's only I don't 30 understand. days in June. <laughs> it, just, it just feels long. I don't know. Well, this is the one month out of the year where every company but Chick-fil-A shamelessly tries to make a quick buck <laughs> off of LGBT plus people. Yeah, yeah. So what better month to make all of you, whether you like it or not, go stand in Tito's Gay Corner. <laughs> We've covered Pride a few times on our old podcast, Judson. Yeah. I recall a really tough episode we did in the wake of the Pulse nightclub shooting. I do remember that. Yep. This year is actually the five-year anniversary of that tragedy, and we're going to play a clip in the stinger spot of this episode just to remember the victims. Oh, man. So do listen through all the way to the end, folks, to uh, honor those who lost their lives. But I didn't want to use this time for 2021 Pride to revisit that troubling and dark event. I thought instead we'd take a slightly lighter approach, at, at least to start. I'm looking at it as the good, the bad, and the ugly of Pride, though not in that order. Okay. We're actually going to go good, ugly, bad. Okay. Bring it. The good. So... You and I don't believe in a magic man in the sky, nor do we put all that much stock in the concept of karma. Right. But man, sometimes Uh an American family were out on their boat on the lake on a beautiful day. (laughs) They were flying their pride flags out on this lake and taking in the sun. Yeah. When this other boat approached them. (laughs) And this second boat just began like aggressively circling the pride boat. And the people in the boat were screaming anti-gay slurs and like flipping them the bird. There's all sorts of pictures and video of this. So (laughs) it definitely happened. So I don't know if like these people that were these homophobic people just like thought it was one of the Trump boat parades and they got lost. (laughs) Well, they're trying to join in. (laughs) I don't know. But out of nowhere, the hate boat exploded. Yeah, it caught on fire. (laughs) Like it just went up in smoke. (laughs) Yeah. The, now the passengers in the hate boat weren't seriously hurt. I, I don't know Most how. Most of their but. pride was damaged. I think. <laughs> <laughs> the 
But here's the thing. So the video that you see on Twitter, uh, it showed the homophobe swimming toward the pride <laughs> boat to get assistance. Yeah, exactly. As their own boat was like smoldering in the background and slowly sinking. And there were better people than I would have been in the pride boat. Because I definitely would have been sitting up there just like watching them. And they try to climb on my boat. Nope. Get the hell off. I, I know you were just flipping yeah, the, me off. The harassed <laughs> pride boat people did offer offer their assistance to the attackers. Yeah. Lest they drown. And that, Judson, I think is why Republicans keep winning. Because uh, <laughs> they are just meaner than we are. We're the good guys. Yeah, exactly. Evil will always triumph because good is dumb. Yes. Well, evil will do anything. <laughs> there are no rules. Exactly. The other image that I want to leave you with is floating in the water was this scorched koozie who was holding... <laughs> The nectar of Karen's, a, a berry punch flavored truly. <laughs> Just floating there in the water. They actually recovered it and took another photo of that. So I, I highly recommend it. And it's got me wondering about karma. <laughs> I mean, every once in a while, something like that has to happen. All right, Judson, it's time for the ugly. Okay. No, I don't know if you know this, Judson, but I, I struggle a little bit with the notion of pride and being gay. And it's not that I'm ashamed of it, okay? No, no, I, I, I can see what you mean already, I think. Yeah. I mean, like, is it, like, why would you be proud of just, I mean, it's just who you are, right? I mean, what's, is it something yeah. to take pride in? Should, should the straight I mean, guy talk about pride or, or can the no, gay no, guy no. do it? I, I, I mean, <laughs> I just mean the, the concept of taking pride in an attribute that one person, like I individually possess. Like, I find that concept myself hard to do. That's yeah, all. I think I'm proud to be part of the community when I've marched in, particularly recent pride parades, sure. I was overwhelmed with emotion, positive. But then I definitely felt a sense of pride. You know, there was a time in my life when I was ashamed of it. Thank you, Catholic Church. Uh, they're good at that. Yeah. <laughs> but it's such a small part of who I am. And you know, honestly, society makes it a bigger deal and religion makes it a bigger deal than it even needs to be. Sure. <laughs> and also, technically, I was raised to believe pride is a sin. <laughs> Shout out again to the Catholic Church. One of those seven. Yeah, they're, they're uh, not so popular. So I thought for the ugly part, of our good, bad, and ugly. It might be better to play to our strengths and focus on a person we're not particularly proud of. Okay. In fact, we're kind of the opposite of that. Okay. So here's what we're gonna do. To introduce our first ever LGBTQ plus shame month, pseudo-celebrity honoree, we're gonna play a game that's new to season two, Guess what I'm holding? Guess what I'm holding, okay. You remember this game? I do remember this game. I will describe something that I'm holding. Okay. And it can either be an actual tangible thing uh -huh. or concept. Okay. And then you have to guess what it is that I'm holding. Okay. All right. You ready? Yeah. This thing that I'm holding, Judson, mm -hmm. is as greasy, cheap, and self-hating as it is imperceptible with ever the slightest aroma of years old dog shit. Oh. Guess what I'm holding? Uh, Lindsey Graham's integrity? You're close. If I, okay. <laughs> what I think you didn't pick up on was the years old dog shit clue. I guess not. What I'm talking about is, of course, Milo Yiannopoulos' conscience. <laughs> you have to remind me what the relevance of the dog shit is to Milo. Don't you remember a few years ago he went to this college to speak? Oh my God, yes. And they threw should, dog yeah. shit at his head and actually hit him? Yes, I do now. <laughs> yes. How can you forget that? It was one of the happiest days of my life. I block a lot of Milo stuff out, I think. Not that. That's the one good Milo memory. <laughs> it's the one that we have. Well, Judson, let's not go over Milo's depressing resume as an essentially living, breathing manifestation of trashy clickbait. Fair. I mean, look, to be fair, he did get fired for advocating for pedophilia a few years ago. He, cancel culture. He called feminism cancer. He said you shouldn't hire gay people because they're lazy. He got kicked off of Twitter permanently for racist tweets about Leslie Jones. Uh, okay, wait. 
I said I wasn't going to go over <laughs> his resume. You've hit the high lowlights already, I think. Oh, just a couple. That's just, that is just the, 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 the tip of the iceberg, <laughs> the tip of the shitberg. <laughs> well, I don't even know if Milo actually qualifies for our LGBT shame month honor, because apparently Judson, he's not gay anymore. How does, how, what, huh? He totally is. Of course he is. And yet another lazy stunt of provocation. Milo came out as straight a couple months ago, and he now plans to open his own gay conversion therapy clinic oh to my God. help others. To torture others? Is that what? That would be a more accurate way of stating yeah. it. Uh-huh. Here's what he claims. Quote, of course, I was never wholly at home in the gay lifestyle. Who is? Who could be? And only leaned heavily into it in public because it drove liberals crazy to see a handsome... Mm. Eh, Charismatic, <laughs> intelligent, <laughs> gay man. I thought he wasn't. <laughs> no. Riotously celebrating conservative principles. Now, there he's kind of saying he was pretending. He does go on to say in this interview that I read that he wasn't pretending, that he doesn't have those chops, those acting chops. <laughs> But I believe that. But he's 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 gotten fixed. Yeah, something was wrong, and it's it's better now. Right. Yeah. And and who knew Judson that going straight could have such instant benefits? When I made my announcement, the first thing that happened, which will make you laugh, but it's true, is dogs stopped barking at me. I was always one of those. I know this sounds so stupid, but this is just how I think that God reveals Himself to us. Right. This is this is just my experience of it. I was somebody who invariably without exception, always used to make dogs go crazy. So we have a friend who's a political candidate down here, right? And her campaign manager has two of these little yappy dogs and they would not stop. I couldn't be in her house for more than 20 minutes because it would drive everybody crazy. They just didn't like me at all. I can, I can see why. The dogs don't bark at me anymore and it happened almost overnight. Now they seem mm. to quite like me. And it sounds like the stupidest thing in the world. I agree with a lot of what he said there. That it sounds like the stupidest thing in the world? Definitely that part. <laughs> and that some person doesn't want him at her house for more than 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah. It's not the dogs, man. It was it's you. The dogs. It was you. Yeah. I, I think he just finally got the dog shit off, smell off of him. They were just reacting to that. It just oh, took him a while. that's probably to, what it was. Yeah, it just finally wore off. It's It's... Got a long shelf life, turns out. So the no longer gay Milo is still married. Right. To a man. A guy, yeah, exactly. How does that work? All right. Here's how he explains that. Quote, the guy I live with has been demoted to housemate, which hasn't been easy for either of us. It helps that I can still just about afford to keep him in. How do you say that word? Gavenchi? You're the worst gay. I have no idea, man. I don't. <laughs> I'm a really bad gay. <laughs> I'm sure it's some sort of designer of some. Gavenchi? Yeah, I, I don't know. And a new Porsche every year. Could be worse for him, I guess. I am a terrible gay. I'm sorry, I... <laughs> gay people. I don't know that word. I feel very much like his new, quote, housemate might feel like he's gotten the better end of the deal at this point. I mean, can you imagine being married to Milo? Like. <laughs> But now he still has to live with him. Yeah, but like it's just like he's like a roommate now, and you can, he's he's off doing all this publicity and 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 all these interviews. Like get him the fuck out of the house, and I think he's had worse times in his life. All right. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, let me approach not calling Milo a liar like Tuckums would, Tucker Carl. Sure, Judson could could Milo be faking it for attention? Oh. Could this be yet another scummy stunt to get some clicks, no matter who it could hurt? Hmm. Does the world really need a Milo Yiannopoulos, gay or straight? That's a good point. Just questions. <laughs> some things to maybe think about. Nothing wrong with asking questions. <laughs> that was pretty good. Squint. Squint. Yeah. Confused Squint. head tilt. <laughs> we won't answer them. Just We'll just ask them. Yeah. Just asking questions. Hmm. 
All right, Judson, it's time for the bad. The ugly was indeed ugly. Yes, for sure. Well, finally, Judson, the bad requires us to do the old segment within a segment thing. Because Uh-oh. this isn't just Tino's Gay Corner. It's also... Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to See You Next Tuesdays, the Facts and Friends Supreme Court podcast you neither know nor love. <laughs> It is late June, <laughs> and therefore, tis the season for big Supreme Court decisions to be announced. Yeah. We're only going to talk about one in particular today. Okay. But it's probably a safe bet that we're going to have a lot more to say about several of the bigger opinions that we'll hear, including, you know, just today, there was an NCAA opinion. Yeah. Um, and I think both of us have a bit to say on that, but we'll save it for another show. I'm mad. I know you're really mad because <laughs> we have to agree. With Brady Booth. Justice Kegger. Justice Kegstan. Today we're going to talk about Fulton versus Philadelphia. That's the one involving the Catholic Social Services? Correct. And it's canceled contract with the city of Philly. Yeah. Sorry, Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Right. What was his name? Vanderveen? Yeah, Vanderveen. Yeah. That's how real Philly residents say it. Philadelphia. <laughs> <Right. laughs> now, Catholic Social Services, we'll call them CSS just to save some breath. Please. They had been contracting with Philadelphia to screen prospective foster parents for orphan children. Right. In 2018, when CSS announced it would not work with same-sex couples because of its opposition to same-sex marriage, the city declined to renew the contract for screening parents because they would shrink the pool of prospective parents by rejecting qualified couples. And Makes they sense. have a non-discrimination right. law it's in a the clause city. In yeah. The contract. Yeah. So in the view of the city of Philadelphia, all that really served to do was hurt children who needed homes, and it was in violation of the contract. And discriminate against same-sex couples. For the record, I share their view. I think that's correct. Well, CSS sued, claiming that this violated their First Amendment right to free exercise of religion and because the Supreme Court wanted to do its equivalent of gay slur circles around a pride boat, (laughs) the CSS won. And Judson, the decision wasn't five to four. It wasn't six to three. It wasn't seven to two. It was nine to oh. It was nine and oh. That's right. All nine justices ultimately did side with CSS and agreed that the city had violated CSS's constitutional rights. Facts and Friends correspondent Wesley Snipes asked (laughs) this of the court. Motherfucker, are you out of your damn mind? (laughs) Thank you, Wesley. So here's my first question, and this isn't a Tucker Carlson non-question question. Should any group, religious or otherwise, be allowed to discriminate because they claim said discrimination is core to their institutional beliefs? No. That's that's my answer. I, I agree. Should I be allowed to discriminate? If, if I formed some sort of organization, could I discriminate against religious people? Would that be allowed? <laughs> I don't know. I think their heads would explode. You know, you know it wouldn't be allowed. Just, just because it's part of my core basic beliefs that you guys are crazy and I'm not going to serve you, that would not be allowed. They would sue me immediately under the First Amendment and free exercise of religion, and they would probably win. And I think they've demonstrated over time that this deference to religion really only applies to certain established Christian religions. Absolutely. And I feel like what the court is basically saying is that some homophobic religion's antiquated belief deserves more protection than my own basic human rights. I, I think that's what it comes down to. And, and where's the line, Judson? Like, religions used to use this excuse historically for all kinds of unconscionable positions. Love in Virginia was against, it was part of the argument against interracial couples was religiously motivated and, and based yes. in the in Bible verses. In the 19th century, slaveholders used religion to defense slavery. Yeah. They claimed that its mere presence in the Bible was evidence that it fit within God's plan for social order. Have them defend it now with the same verses, because that's that's a fun little game, asking <laughs> asking them what the Bible says about slavery and if it's okay. I wish you had those in front of you. Oh, basically, you have slaves obey your masters, even the cruel ones. <laughs> per a WAPO piece by Tisa Wenger from 2017, quote, slaveholders and their sympathizers interpreted biblical stories like those about Cain and Abel and the supposed, quote, curse of Ham as proof that God made, quote, Negroes to be slaves. Right. This is not a new strategy. No, no, this is, uh, religion has 
always, always been used. The Christian religion. To excuse all kinds of unconscionable positions. To Yeah, to oppress. And to oppress, right. To oppress those not within the group and to oppress those they feel that they're better than. But, like, do we just have to wait until these religions catch up to civil society? Understanding they'll always be behind? Because, listen, their whole deal is manufacturing guilt and selling the redemption, right? Yeah, absolutely. They, they invent a sickness and sell you the cure. They have to have bullshit boogeymen for that to work. Yep. And whatever the flavor of the century for other is at any given time is that thing, usually. That's the boogeyman. Yep. Or boogie people. I mean, at one point it was Muslims, still is. Still, still is, yeah. Blacks, we just talked about slavery. Previously the Jews. Right. And still in some circles, obviously. So, you know, this this case isn't entirely unlike the Masterpiece Cake Shop case from a few years ago. Yep. Uh, I think the the court also wrongly decided that case. Exactly. You cannot be give you cannot give people a license to discriminate no. based on their religious beliefs. Because based on that anything. gives them the, the, the right to discriminate against anyone for anything because religion is not some immutable thing. It changes throughout right. society. And so at any point they could be discriminated against any group just because they have some deeply held belief. That's bullshit. Absolutely. I don't know if you remember, but back in season one of the show, we covered the confirmation of Amy Coney Barrett. I do remember that, yeah. Episode three, it was. season one, if, if anyone's in interested. And one of the things we talked about on that show was how frighteningly Christian the court was becoming. Yeah. And how the influence of Christianity, especially Catholicism, was sort of casting this troubling shadow over the court. And it, I don't know if you remember, but Barrett gave speeches for an organization that believed it was vital that Christianity influence U.S. law at all levels. Right. Yeah. It was the, um, basically that was the, the tie into her being like the Handmaid's Tale sort of person. That just flies in the face of our founding principles. Yeah. Well, they, that, that's not what they think the principles are, right? We disagree on the fundamental reasons and uh, rationale behind the founding of the country. We do. So Now, you and I agree that there are far too many Catholics on the court. Yes. Right? Yes, there are. Six of nine of them are Catholic. Yep. And seven of them are Christian. Right. There are no Muslims, no atheists, no Wiccans, no Scientologists. Probably a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> how in, how informed can there also not a Tucker Carlson question? How informed? I mean, it's a little rhetorical, but <laughs> ask the question. <laughs> how informed can their collective wisdom be with so few perspectives? I agree. I think that there needs to be more diversity on the court, not just in terms of gender and race, but also in terms of background and in religion being one of those things. That but we can't have a two thirds block of a single religion. No, exactly. It, it's absurd that there are two thirds of the court is Catholic. That is that is appalling to me in terms of yeah it's frightening yeah uh, it, and, and i don't so where you and i start to differ yep. we had uh, like a, a mini version of this conversation earlier in the week is on recusal sure i think and i i put forth to you that catholics should should have recused themselves from this case and you did not agree no i i go ahead it's a tricky subject i think in the abstract you agree i i agree that uh, someone who cannot be unbiased in a case should recuse or, or if there's right. even a, a a reason for them to be you know to, to be for their judgment to be suspect but i even sure the, just even the appearance of bias is often a good enough reason for recusal that's true yeah i fully recognize that expecting catholics to recuse from cases involving their church kind of opens a bit of a pandora's box and it isn't it, it isn't realistic to expect that you asked i think you asked me like if they should recuse on abortion cases or death penalty cases. Right. Uh, I think they probably should. Here's here's my thinking there. If you're truly a religious person, presumably you answer first to your religion's deity, not the constitution. And then it's complicated, I think, in the case of Catholicism, because there's centuries old, there's a centuries old religious and political body. The Vatican is a country, right? Yeah. So Catholics have to answer to that body as well. Again, before the constitution. So, you know, and we've already established that there is a movement to inject 
inject more Christianity into our laws. Hitler, even some people that believe their white Christian man god wrote the fucking constitution. <laughs> it's true. Okay. Uh, Lauren Boebert. Add to that now, <laughs> the Catholic Church recently moving to publicly condemn politicians with views opposing the church. Right there with the vote in the, the, the bishops in the U.S. California, the bishops yeah. in the U.S. have done that. Yes. Then if you start to do that, recusal seems even more important, right? If the church is now punishing political figures for not upholding their laws, right? Uh, I think that's certainly a problem. Yeah. So I don't honestly don't see how anyone would argue the Catholics shouldn't recuse. Like in the abstract, understanding that they won't and that the reality is there always will be some bullshit excuse as to why someone doesn't need to recuse, not even just religiously based, right? Yeah. They'll always claim they can put those beliefs aside. I don't believe them. I don't believe them in the case of some of the people, some of the Catholics on the court. I know one's approach to one's religion differs from person to person, but at its core... You, God comes first in any of these Christian religions that, that we're mostly talking about. You know, there's even the stupid saying, like, it goes God, family, country, or <laughs> God's always first, is my point, yeah. right? And I feel like if you're beholden to anything other than the Constitution first, then you're not qualified to be on any court, much less the highest court in the land. And I think that's a fair position to take. Now, again, it's not ever going to happen. It's, I mean, I think there should be a, some sort of religious litmus test to sit on any federal bench with quotas. That's not going to happen. That's probably not constitutional either. Probably not, yeah. My point is, you just can't give that much power to members of what is essentially a cannibal cult. Yes, I just call Catholicism a cannibal cult. They do drink blood. Send your tweets to at the fault in my arse. <laughs> they, they think it's blood anyway. <laughs> I mean, I can't say that you're wrong. I just think that, as you, as I told you before, it's, it's unworkable. There's no way we can... It is unworkable. I agree. We can, no way we can do this. And I don't think that religion itself should be disqualifying. I do agree with you that if you are beholden to your church, not God, because that gets a little stickier, but if you're beholden to your church before the Constitution and the laws that you're sworn to uphold and protect, then you are not qualified to be a judge. I, I, I agree with that. And presumably they are. My Well, I don't know that that's the case because everyone has a per, has a different relationship with their religion. Everyone's going to view it as a different part, a different portion of their, of who they are. Absolutely. There are people who think that that's the most important thing in their life. And other people are simply, I would say, culturally Catholic, if that's a thing. They were raised in the church and that is the church that they attend, but they don't really take it like, it's not really a big part of who they are. I was raised Catholic. Right. So, I mean, but you don't still identify as Catholic, but no, but. That's my point, though, is like everyone's going to have their own journey. They're going to have their own point of view. When it comes down to it, as long as you are, like I said, not beholden to it, like a specific body, a specific organization, if you just want to follow your idea of what your religion means to you, I don't really have a problem with it because what I have seen and what I think everyone basically does is rationalize the things they believe to coincide with the faith that they follow so that you're basically going to do the things you think are right, the things you think are good, regardless of what your other people think your religion says, you're going to justify it to yourself within the bounds of your beliefs. And if you can't, if you really absolutely can't do that, you're going to leave that religion. But people who you know, get this far into their legal careers, either they are beholden to that faith or they've come to terms with the, the separation that they hold between their personal faith and their decisions, their legal decisions. Or they're actively working to influence the law. Yeah. 
was the first one. They're beholden to their faith and they are and they are pushing that on to their decisions or they've able they're, they're managed to separate those two. I mean, if you look at the, the abortion decisions, we had like three or four Catholics, well, th- three, I guess, who have been deciding against those seeking to, to limit the access to abortions. So uh, like, it's it's not impossible. Soon to be denied communion. It's potentially denied communion, yes. But it's, it's not impossible to have those beliefs or that, you know, that public declaration of faith and, and yet still decide things that are in op- opposition to the stated precepts of the church. That, that's, I guess, is my point. It's, it's, they, they can coexist. I think it easily meets the threshold of giving the appearance of a conflict of interest. But the SCOTUS doesn't have those those rules. They have no ethical yeah. rules. And also, you mentioned abortion. Stay tuned, because in season three of our show, <laughs> uh, the Catholics are going to overturn Roe v. Wade. Uh, wait, are we going to get a season three? Because I feel like they're going to shut us down about the same time as we get to the... Uh, <laughs> when Trump the, takes power yeah, in October. Right, yeah, October or January or whatever it is. <laughs> that decision's going to come around December, I think. Yes, yeah. The abortion decision, and I'm nervous. Although, again, with this court, who fucking knows? Who can fucking tell? What I, I did have more to say on this specific case, but we'll save it. We'll save it for our broader Supreme Court show. That seems like a good plan. We're already running run way over time. Yeah, because this is this is running <laughs> a little long. There's there's more nuance to this decision that it's worth talking about, particularly when we're talking about what is this court thinking? Because <laughs> there's a deep divide among the conservatives on the court, and that's something we can talk about in a later show. Sounds good. All right. So, Judson, I am all see you next Tuesday out. <laughs> I think everyone else is too, really. Uh, do you have anything else before we remind everyone how bad I am at being gay? No, no, I think that's what we should do next. If I'm honest, I think Milo Yiannopoulos is a better gay than I am, even now. Oh, I agree. I mean, not a better person, let's be clear. He's a worse all-around human being. Absolutely terrible person. But a far better gay. But a better gay, yeah. (laughs) I'm going to go read the Gavinci Code (laughs) during the break. (laughs) We're going to figure out how to actually say whatever the hell that is. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to check it out. But anyway, enjoy me singing about being a bad gay during the break. We'll be right back. How do you say that word? Givenchy? I will, without hesitation, say Hubert de Givenchy. I wanna fuck guys so I'm totally gay But I dress even worse than Louis C.K. I don't know who Wendy Williams is I really can't stand the taste of jizz don't know no Gaga songs I honestly think that butt stuff is gross But it'd make an exception for Colin Joes I really don't keep my house that clean I had to look up what bareback my hateful music goes as strong Cause I'm a bad gay Don't like to go down Some sort of play is fine Just don't turn me around The blowjobs I gave To unlucky man Just took the tip And my gag reflex kicked in I'm a bad gay It's hard to forget I go to Walmart With flip flops and sweats Cause I'm a bad gay yeah, I'm a bad gay. It was not a beautiful song, Judson. <laughs> it was it was lovely. Just re- really, really speaks to me, I think. 
and about how you're a bad gay. You're, you're probably, you might be a better gay than I am. At least you like musicals. I do like musicals. It's true. All right. Before we get to this week's closed topic, I wanted to remind you that the Facts and Friends podcast is written, directed, and produced by Judson and Tino with contributions from a guy who eats gin distillery tour guides for fucking breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> that poor woman. <laughs> oh, that poor, poor jobless woman. <laughs> She'll never give another tour again. <laughs> that's oh, that's that's really for the you best. You know who you are, you <laughs> monster. <laughs> also, <laughs> the Facts and Friends theme was composed just for us by Omar. We say it every week, but we really can't say it enough. We appreciate all of you listeners so very much and ask that you exhaust a tiny bit of your time and all of your internet cred to help keep us on the air. If you could just let your friends know about your 29th favorite podcast. I know, Judson, we dropped from the last time. <laughs> I was going to say, I thought we were we like were 27. Oh, my God. <laughs> 29th now. Well, that's what happens when you don't do a show in two weeks. It's like, I guess the Schroeder's count as two. The Schroeder testicle <laughs> show. Yeah. yeah, they definitely bumped us off. <laughs> uh, getting bumped by Ricky Schroeder's testicles. If I had a nickel for every time. <laughs> We also love hearing from you, so drop us a comment or a direct message on the Facts and Friends Facebook page with feedback, criticism, sexy haiku. Yeah, please. Or complaints about me saying that Catholicism is a cannibalism cult. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, did you say that, Judson? I think you might have said that. That's not how I recall it. Okay. Yeah. Good thing we didn't record this. Opinions may differ. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Individually, you could reach me on Twitter at Uncle Tortilla. And Judson, how can the good people reach you? Uh, the place you told them to send their complaints at the fault and my arse. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Well, Judson, we're kind of in the credits slash begging section of the show before we get to our closed topic. Sure. And I just wanted to take a second to call attention to some of our recent reviews on Apple Podcasts. Yes, please. So every once in a while, I'll check the reviews just to see. We did get a, a good one that I'll read uh, in the near future. Sure. But then I noticed we had a one-star review. A one-star? Son of a bitch. Can you believe we got a whole star? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think zero is an option, actually. So. Oh, shit. <laughs> well, here it is. It's from Major's Wife. Fairly recent. Major's Wife. Okay. Okay. You want to read it? You, why don't you read it? Oh, sure. Major's Wife. Interesting. That's the title? That's the title. Okay. What is very interesting about this show? Oh, that's not a question. It's an it's exclamation. It is a question, what but it's What is very not- <laughs> interesting about this show? Right. It meant a question mark. <laughs> is the the fact that anyone with a computer, internet, and an Apple account can put out a, quote, podcast. The, the tittle is catchy, though. <laughs> I'm sorry, the what? It says the tittle. I'm just reading it. I'm not, I'm not trying to be like blue language here. The tittle. Can you spell tittle? T-I-T-T-L-E. Oh, okay. Yeah. The tittle is catchy, though. Facts and friends. More friends with no facts. Oh. That's, that's, that's our review. One star. One star. Yep, a whole one. Really well written. I, I yeah. Mm-hmm. And you said interesting was the title of Inter- that review. <laughs> the title was interesting. So that got me to thinking, Judson. Sure. Major's wife. Who would give us a one star review? Anybody. Well, I mean, anybody who listened to us. Sure. This was uniquely badly written. My spidey sense was was tingling. Sure. You're Peter Tingle. I'm sorry. What? That's <laughs> from the movie. It's fine. Go on. Oh. <laughs> Uh, that's a different thing, Jensen. That's, that's what the joke is, I think. <laughs> what I did, I don't know if you remember a show we covered, <laughs> I guess, last season. Eviscerated. We reviewed them. We did not review them. We gave them we some make, notes. We make a point of saying we didn't review them. <laughs> Ultimately, we did. We let Jake Tapper review them. That's right. But the show is called Don't Tread on Me, Rika. That's not what it's called. Yeah. <laughs> and it's these two far-right backwoods morons. That is true. <laughs> 
that are talking about shit they know nothing about. Also true. Like basically like regurgitating Tucker Carlson bullshit mixed with some conspiracy theories mixed with sexism, racism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's your typical right wing fair. And the great tittle to start to, to boot. So don't tread on me, Rika. <laughs> it's don't tread on me, America, but their logo is so shitty. Don't tread on America. Like, yeah. Don't tread on me, Rika. Yeah. The, the, their, our design is poor. Yeah. Well, I, I immediately suspected them. So I went to their Apple podcast page. Like you do. And who, but who should be giving them a five-star review? <laughs> Major's wife. Major's wife. That's correct. Such a refreshing show. Exclamation. Again, that's yep. the only punctuation that this person knows. Everything else is broken. Getting better every day. Exclamation point. Every day is not one word in that context? It is not. Okay. But hey, this is far better <laughs> in the grammar and spelling department. Well, she only used seven words this time. Again, so. the title is, I don't think it's a she. I think it's actually the host of the show. Oh, you think so? Yeah. They also used a one word title. Uh- <laughs> uh, it could be his wife, but I think it's I think it's him. Could be. Well, then, I, don't, I mean, I don't want to get into another podcast for Judson. <laughs> Though I do plan to follow up on our show. <laughs> yeah, we're going to do a follow-up revisiting. Where of, are of, they now? Where you know? are they now yeah. later this season? I can't wait. Behind the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Someone, one of our listeners, Judson, yep. posted a review on their website. We want to read that one for us? Is that the, the one star here? It is. It was a one star review. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Drunk and stupid is no way to go through life, son, is the title. Oh. Tittle. No one word? No one word, yeah. Was there an exclamation point? Not not a one that I can see. Okay. So the, the, the body of the review is, and yet these guys seem to have never gotten that memo. If ignorant diatribes are your thing, I guess you can check these cretins out. But if you prefer something approaching basic cognition and at least a passing acknowledgement of the shared reality we inhabit, you'll probably want to look slash listen elsewhere. That tone, that voice is something familiar about it. There there is something about it. I don't know. Mm, It's almost like very well written. I think it's very well written. It's like almost (laughs) ranty in a way. It's a little bit. A hint of rant. (laughs) Mm, I don't know. I'm stumped. Well, thank you, listener. Um, The only thing, though, is with one-star podcast review wars, nobody wins. Nobody wins. It's true. Everyone loses. Yep. Thank God they only have two hosts and no listeners. (laughs) Well, Judson, there is no time for Responsible Gun Owner of the Week. Oh, no. I'm sorry. Our review thing took too long. We'll we'll, we'll bump it to next week. That's all right. She will still have been very irresponsible next week. It's Responsible Gun Owner of the Week. Oh, I'm sorry. All right. That is our show. Again, stay tuned for the stinger at the end of the show if you want to be sad and depressed, but also remembering the victims of the Pulse nightclub tragedy. Yeah, uh, we do look forward to seeing you next week. I think our new release days are going to be Wednesday, but we'll see. Uh, it's to it, be it's determined. A work in progress. Yes. Yeah. Have a great week, everybody. Good to be back. Take care, everyone. John Carlos Nieves Rodriguez. 27 years old. John started working at McDonald's at age 15 to help support his family and was recently made the manager of a check cashing store. He purchased his first home this spring so that his mother could live there too. He loved to escape to the beach, though his best friend called him a big teddy bear who was happy when everyone depended on him. Stanley Almodovar III, 23 years old. Stanley was a pharmaceutical technician who kidded that the drug life chose me 
He always loved to change his hair color and style almost as much as he loved flirting with the camera. He once proclaimed, yes, I wear makeup and I'm still a man about it. Dianca Deidre Drayton, 32. Didi was an employee of the Pulse nightclub who had overcome struggles like a long ago car accident and a more recent bout with drugs. She resumed attending church and writing poetry. Luis Daniel Gonde, 39 years old. Luis shared much with his partner in love and business, Juan Pablo Rivera Velasquez. They even went to the same Puerto Rican high school. At their salon, shy and affectionate Juan Pablo created hairstyles while gregarious Luis touched up clients' makeup and turned up the techno music. Juan Pablo Rivera Velasquez, 37 years old. Juan owned a hair salon together with his partner, Luis Daniel Conde. The salon had a loyal client base and occasionally offered free services to victims of domestic abuse. He and Luis were together for 16 years and died together at the club. Javier Jorge Reyes, 40 years old. Javier loves selling the latest fashions and accessories at Gucci, and the company has arranged for his body to be sent back to Puerto Rico. He playfully reimagined his name on Facebook as Harvey George Kings, and his pregnant friend recalled how he had an uncanny knack for making her baby kick. Shane Evan Tomlinson, 33 years old. Shane wild crowds as the lead singer of a cover band called Frequency. He posted on Facebook about his own anxiety after another performer, Christina Grimmie of The Voice, was gunned down in Orlando the night before. Luis Danielle Wilson Leon, 37. Danny liked to wear black and grow his sideburns long in his small town in Puerto Rico. He encountered many bullies and moved to Florida on his own. He fell in love with John Carlos Mendez Perez after they met at Perfumania, and the fragrance that started the romance was called Declaration by Cartier. Jean Carlos Mendez Perez, 35 years old. Jean sold fragrances at a Perfumania outlet. He later saw one appreciative customer who had taken his recommendation at a club, and the two began an eight-year relationship. Jean and Danny Wilson Leon died together at Pulse. Alejandro Barrios Martinez, 21 years old. Alejandro left his native Cuba in 2014 and was still perfecting his English. His mother was granted through a letter to the new U.S. Embassy in Havana, a humanitarian visa to reclaim his body. Brenda Lee Marquez McCool, 49. She was a loving mother to 11 children. She survived cancer twice. She loved salsa dancing, which she was enjoying with her gay son, Isaiah, whom she shielded from the gunfire. Christopher Joseph Sanfeliz. 24 years old. Chris was a personal banker at J.P. Morgan Chase, visiting Orlando from Tampa. He was an excellent dancer who taught his friends how to do the bachata. Frankie Jimmy de Jesus Velasquez, 50 years old. Jimmy was a visual merchandiser at Forever 21, and he joked that he was older than the demographic. In his younger days, he traveled the world as a professional hibaro dancer. Juan Chavez Martinez, 25. Juan impressed his bosses as a housekeeping supervisor for resorts. 
He was one of three Mexican citizens who died at Pulse. They were all later honored by their homeland's government. Gerald Arthur Wright, 31 years old. Jerry loved both cats and dogs. His own canine was called Rusty. He had a quiet and kind personality that suited his Disney workplace, where he was assigned to a position on Main Street in the Magic Kingdom, and before that, Tomorrowland. Antonio Brown, 29 years old. Antonio, an alumnus of Florida A&M, handled human resources at a Lowe's store. In college, he joined the ROTC program and later served a year-long tour of duty in Kuwait. In 2012, the Army awarded him the rank of captain. Miguel Angel Oronato, 30 years old. Miguel, who came to the United States from Mexico at age four, was a soccer fan and a catering company manager. He leaves behind his three sons, who were 15, two, and one. He recently organized a Ferrari-themed birthday party for his youngest. Anthony Luis Loreno Disla, 25 years old. Anthony moved from Puerto Rico three years ago to become a choreographer. He showed a talent for dancing by age 10 and became a master of many styles, ballroom, tango, salsa, and mambo. K.J. Morris, 37 years old. K.J. worked as a bouncer at Pulse and had moved from Hawaii in April to help her mother and grandmother. She loved drag performances, college basketball, and MMA fights. Edward Sotomayor, Jr., 34 years old. Edward made it his mission to open the doors for gay Americans to travel the world and recently coordinated the first ever gay cruise to Cuba. He had a signature accessory, his prized black top hat. Frank Hernandez, 27 years old. Frankie managed a Calvin Klein store and lived for fashion. He was planning to go to a pride celebration in New Orleans. He liked to show off a tattoo on his forearm that read, love has no gender. Akira Monet Murray, 18 years old. Akira was on vacation after her graduation from a Philadelphia Catholic high school. She was third in her class. She led the Lady Spurs basketball team with more than a thousand points and earned a full college scholarship. She was the youngest of the victims. Joel Rayon Panayawa, 31 years old. Joel found work on construction sites and sent portions of his paycheck home to relatives in Mexico. A loyal churchgoer, he came to America because his cousin said there was a lot of crime, violence, and death where he grew up. Jonathan Antonio Camuy Vega, 24 years old. Jonathan was an assistant producer on La Voz Kids, Telemundo's singing competition show for young viewers. He died according to investigators, after standing between the shooter and his friend Mary, who was the mother of a newborn. Gilmari Rodriguez Sullivan, 24 years old. Mari planned this Saturday night out with friends, a treat after she gave birth to her second son three months ago. She steered everyone towards a gay club to avoid the kind of violence that had recently occurred at another local club. Geraldo Ortiz Jimenez, 25 years old. 
Geraldo, who liked to be called Drake, saved up for his trip from Puerto Rico to Orlando, all to see his pop idol, Selena Gomez, perform in concert the night before the shooting. He was working towards his college degree with big dreams and an optimistic outlook. Gilberto Ramon Silva Menendez, 25 years old. Gilberto was an only child who left Puerto Rico three years ago. He was completing his studies in healthcare management, and the dog show community saluted him as one of our own. His favorite breed was a St. Bernard. Mercedes Marisol Flores, 26 years old. Mercedes moved far from her home in Queens to study literature at Valencia College. She had a love of music fostered by close family members who are DJs. She hoped to become a party planner. Peter O. Gonzalez Cruz, 22 years old. Peter, who called himself Omi, worked for UPS and liked to draw. He was a fun magnet, so much so that his aunt said, if Peter is not at the party, no one wants to go. Rodolfo Ayala Ayala, 33 years old. Rody handled other people's blood donations for a living and was recently promoted to platelet supervisor. He was a skilled salsa dancer and also a prankster who could rock a bow tie. Paul Terrell Henry, 41 years old. Paul was a strong singer who could play the piano and the organ, though he never had a lesson. He worked in sales at a resort and was proud that one of his two daughters recently earned her high school diploma. Javier Emmanuel Serrano, 35 years old. Javier moved from Puerto Rico 10 years ago and booked gigs as a professional salsa dancer at Walt Disney World and on large cruise ships. He had a five-year-old son and often took side jobs for extra dollars. He recently found work at a shoe store because the hours were better for raising his boy. Tevin Eugene Crosby, 25 years old. Tevin was a young business owner of a Michigan-based marketing company with 20 employees. He spread enthusiasm and inspired ambition among his colleagues with motivational memes and the hashtag, love my team. Amanda Alvear, 25 years old. Amanda shed 180 pounds with the help of surgery and exercise. She hoped to leave her job in a pharmacy once she completed her nursing degree. She documented her new look in selfies and treated herself and her nieces to new clothes. Eddie Justice, 30 years old. Eddie worked as an accountant. He texted his mother during the attack. While waiting in the hospital, his mother described him as a young professional who lives in a sky house like the Jeffersons. She said he liked to live rich. Work, Eddie. His relatives described him as a mama's boy at heart, with a smile as bright as his future. Ángel L. Candelario Padro, 28 years old. Ángel had recently moved from Chicago to Orlando and found a job that he liked at a medical practice for eye doctors. He had his own mission, though, on the side, leading workout classes as a Zumba instructor. Simón Adrián Carrillo Fernández, 31 years old. Simón boosted the morale at the McDonald's that he managed by bringing his colleagues cakes on their birthdays. Born in Venezuela, he had just traveled to Canada with his partner, Oscar Aracena Montero. They stopped to see Niagara Falls. Oscar Aracena Montero, 26 years old. Oscar, a business student, 
recently returned home from a Canadian vacation with his partner, Simon, who also died at Pulse. Last year, the two chose three chihuahuas to liven up the house that they had bought together. Jason Benjamin Josephat, 19 years old. Jason was studying computer science at Valencia College. He developed passions for photography, hip-hop dance, and gymnastics. And his high school classmates recalled he would playfully challenge his fellow members of the cheer squad to tumbling contests. Leroy Valentin Fernandez, 25 years old. Roy recently moved to Orlando to care for his mother and took a job as an apartment rental agent. His co-workers uh, recalled that he liked to blast Adele songs in the office. In his spare time, he choreographed original drag routines with many set to Beyonce and J-Lo tracks. Enrique Rios, 25 years old. Enrique was a faithful churchgoer, nursing student, and elder care social worker. He lived with his grandmother in Brooklyn. He could dance the bachata and the soca. He was on vacation in Orlando to celebrate a good friend's birthday. Daryl Roman Burt II, 29 years old. Daryl administered financial aid to military students at a Jacksonville college. A former McDonald's manager, he just completed his master's degree in human resources management and was celebrating at Pulse. Corey James Connell, 21 years old. Corey balanced his studies at Valencia College with his job at a public supermarket. He was working toward a goal, to join the fire department. After his passing, fire officials made him an honorary firefighter. Martin Benitez Torres, 33 years old. Martin was newly enrolled as a pharmacy student in Tampa. He was in Orlando to visit his aunt and other family members. That day, he posted photos of the food that his mother in Puerto Rico had sent to Orlando for all their relatives to enjoy. Luis Vielma, 22 years old. Luis was working towards becoming an EMT first responder while he worked at the Wizarding World of Harry Potter at Universal Studios Orlando. Harry Potter author J.K. Rowling tweeted how her connection to Luis touched her so deeply that she couldn't stop crying. Omar Capo. 20 years old. Omar held jobs at Target and Starbucks while he set his sights on being a professional dancer and actor. After the shooting, his grandmother flew to be with family, and JetBlue flight attendants circulated a note of support for passengers to sign. Upon landing, each deplaning passenger offered her personal condolences, and some added long letters and cash donations. Eric Ivan Ortiz Rivera, 36 years old. Eric held retail jobs at Toys R Us and then Ross. He did not frequent clubs like Pulse, but followed a crowd of friends who had begun the night at a housewarming party. He is survived by his husband of nearly one year. Juan Ramon Guerrero, 22 years old. Juan was in his third year of college with a side job as a telemarketer and had begun a romance with Drew Leinenen. He came out to his family not long ago, and for his upcoming birthday, they were planning to go ahead with his party anyway, with his mother cooking his favorite foods. Christopher Andrew Leinenen, 32 years old. Christopher, who went by Drew, was a mental health therapist who founded a gay-straight alliance in high school. He was a vegetarian 
an EDM enthusiast, and a film buff with a massive collection of DVDs. Friends and family predicted wedding bells for Drew and his soulmate Juan, who died with him at Pulse. It's time to stop the bleeding. Let's show the world that love conquers hate. Join me. Join me. Join me and the Human Rights Campaign to demand common sense laws to protect the LGBTQ community and all Americans from hate violence. Únete hoy a la campaña de los derechos humanos y mostremos al mundo que el amor vence al odio. Love conquers hate.